All right, Exodus chapter 20. Who knows what commandment we're on? Number six. This is just four short words. Exodus 20 and 13 simply says, Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful, is anointed. God, I pray that you would touch me tonight to teach and to preach from your word. God, we exalt your word because your word, God, is what formed the worlds. And I pray that today there would be understanding and knowledge and wisdom. I pray that there'd be insight, God, and foresight that would be imparted to us that we might be able to walk out of here better than what we entered. In Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. At first glance, it would appear that the sixth commandment is simply forbidding the act of unjustified taking of human life. However, the commandment itself has a couple of interesting elements that we should look at closely tonight. First, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that it could be argued that the King James translators might have used too far-reaching of a word when they used the word kill. I don't personally think they did, but it does bear, men bear mentioning that this word kill is very broad. And given its broad meaning, the word kill leaves a lot of readers with the potential for misunderstanding the actual meaning of the sixth commandment. This may seem like a small thing to some, but for many people, their misunderstanding of this text has caused them a real amount of suffering. In order to properly understand the text, we have to know that there is a big difference between murder and killing. The word kill in Hebrew is the word ratzak which means murder, not put to death. When you read the King James, uh, you will see that there's a phrase commonly used called put to death. And what they are saying there is a justified legal killing, not a murder. And there is such thing as justified legal killing. A police officer, a soldier a self-defending citizen, are not guilty of murder. They may be killing somebody, but they are not necessarily murdering somebody. And you have to be careful these days because there's a lot of agendas behind everything. And they will use the word kill indiscriminately, and they will be very careful where they put the word murder. But it's very important, not just as Christians living in the modern age, but as people in general, that we understand that murder and killing are not the same thing. I want to talk to you about why we are not allowed to murder. Most Bible translations today will take Exodus 20 and 13 that we read this uh, evening at the opening of our sermon uh, and put the word murder in there for clarity's sake. Um, and that really is probably how it should read, thou shalt not murder. Because the Bible itself is, whether some people like it or not, in favor of things like capital punishment. Um, but 
we want to talk tonight a little bit about murder and why it's wrong. God is the originator and source of all life. Everything in this world was brought forth by the life and power of God. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and in Him was life. There is a sacredness to everything. Here on earth, there is a sacredness to everything because it was made by God. And we as humans are right to acknowledge this. It, it is okay to acknowledge, amen, the sacredness of all life. Amen. And as a creation of God. Meaningless destruction, uh, be it of any kind, even of our planet, is never condoned in the Bible. Humankind is made in God's image. Uh, it is important to note that the first thing we discover about God's image is that it is creative and life-giving. The very first thing we ever see God doing is creating and giving life. And God expects his creations or his creatures to do the very same thing. You will notice that after God creates living creatures, the first thing he tells them, amen, is to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, he's telling them, I have given you life, now you give life. Amen. God is the originator of life. God is life. God, it, life is a gift from God. Amen. Moreover, when God created humans, the very first thing he gave them was a tree of life. Amen. God wants humans to live. I want you to stop and consider that next to the creation of the world, the most significant miracle in all of the Bible is the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection is God's refusal to leave anything or anyone he loves in death. Consider how that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and brought back to life. And if we were to go one step further, it would be totally acceptable to say that Jesus was resurrected after having been murdered. Amen. God hates murder. Amen. He will not leave, as, as Jesus even quoted the psalmist, uh, David, and he said, Thou shalt not suffer my soul to stay in the grave. Amen. Or to see corruption. In other words, Jesus is saying, God, you don't like death. You don't like murder. And you love me so much that you will not leave me here. God is against murder. God hates murder. God hates all forms of murder. All forms of murder are prohibited. And they are forbidden. Somebody say amen. amen. To unjustly take a life is to do the devil's business. John 8.44 says the devil was a murderer from the beginning. Anybody who murders somebody is doing the devil's business. John 10 and 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, but I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Murder forces death onto a person. It is to work contrary to the work of God. God hates murder. Many people see the mentioning of this commandment and the prohibition against murder as obvious. And even, in some cases, pointless. There are a lot of people that look at this sixth commandment and will laugh at Bible readers and say, you're so silly, you're so naive, you're so thick-headed that your God has to tell you not to kill people. Isn't it obvious that we shouldn't kill people or we shouldn't murder people? And the simple answer is yes. It is obvious 
that we should not murder people. And to the best of my studies, I don't know of a culture that has ever found murder as acceptable. The brutal truth is that even though it's obvious we should not murder, people still do it. People still do it. In our day and age, this issue of thou shalt not murder must be addressed because there is a lot of murder taking place. Even in the most sophisticated and quote-unquote civilized countries, sometimes even more so. Murder wears many masks. There is homicide. There's genocide. There's infanticide. There's senicide. And then there is suicide. The Bible rightfully condemns all of these forms of murder. We have no right to murder others. We have no right to participate in organized mass murders. We have no right to murder children, born or unborn. We have no right to murder the elderly. And we have no right to murder ourselves. Every day children are desensitized to murder. Studies estimate that the typical American child will view 16,000 murders on television by the time they graduate from high school. This does not account for the countless hours children and now adults spend playing video games where they act as first-person shooters and murder people. Murder is rampant. The, the desensitizing of murder is rampant. And then we stop and wonder, why are there so many mass murders on school campuses? I am, I am disgusted when I look at the internet and there are people that make all kinds of arguments that the viewing and the digesting of murderous content has no effect on human behavior. It is absolute foolishness. That is foolishness. You, you get out what you put in. Garbage in, garbage out. Murder in, murder out. I'm going to say something that I think we all need to get woke to, as they say. There is a little bit more something that I, even I consider rather sinister that happens to children in school these days. And even children who have excessive amounts of entertainment put in front of them. And that is that they are being told every day that humans are the cause of the world's climate issues, extinction of animal species, and the ruining of the only precious planet we have. That's not to say that that is not true. But I don't really want to discuss that because I'm not here to talk about that. But I do want to talk about the effects of this idea. These days, they're even using children to travel all around the world and put them on international platforms to tell everybody how bad they are. And this is, this is, this is not by accident. They, this is not just somebody stumbling across some very well-articulate child, amen, that has a conviction about not putting your recyclables in the right place. Amen. This is a little bit more deeper than that. But I, I want to talk to you about the effects that this type of ideology has on children. Because uh, if you just look at it on the surface, it just looks like good old-fashioned tough love, right? Like we should take care of the planet. It's the only one we got. That, that plastic bottle shouldn't go in that trash can. It should go in that one. And, uh, and we should all, uh, climate is an ethical issue. And uh, all, these, all these things, amen, uh, 
I want to tell you that if you are to follow those ideas uh, to their logical end, the message is very clear. Humans don't deserve to live. They are the problem. Most humans, thankfully, are too cowardly to do anything about the logical conclusion of this message. But many have not been. I want you to consider one of, and I, I could go on for hours about this, but I think it would actually scare some people. But I want you to stop and consider the words of one of the Columbine shooters. And if those of you who might have been too young, if you don't know what the Columbine shooter was, it was the first, one of the first mass shootings that ever happened in U.S. history on a high school campus. Two young men armed with automatic weapons uh, went into the high school and even attempted to blow it up. Um, they, they murdered 12 people and injured 21 people. Amen. But I want to read to you. Uh, this, this never did make it on the news, but you can find it. Uh, but I want to read to you one of the letters that the boys wrote. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to read to you one of the letters that the boys wrote um, and left behind. Never read on the news. Amen. But this is how the, these kids, these children, really thought. I quote, The human race isn't worth fighting for. It's only worth killing. Give the earth back to the animals. They deserve it infinitely more than we do. When you pump children full of this idea that we're the rotten vermins and there is no God and we're, we're the animals that are ruining it for all the other animals and you follow that to its logical end that's how you get high school shootings go ahead and eliminate all the guns there'll be high school stabbings go ahead and get rid of all the knives there'll be mass beating ups or beat downs I don't know. I, when I was young, you got beat up. Now you get beat down. But <laughs> you, it's, the problem are not tools, weapons. Th 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 those are not the problems. The problems is that children are being told every day, amen, humans are no good. Humans are no good. Humans are no good. This is unacceptable. And somebody might say, well, Brother Prado, you're being very insensitive. You're looking at somebody who tried to commit suicide twice as a heathen as a lost soul, as a child. But some of you may know my past, some of you may not. I was, I was born in this family where, man, don't hurt animals, don't hurt animals, don't eat animals, don't do this to animals, don't harm animals, don't harm the planet. And when I was 17 years old, I thought, man, we're the problem, get rid of us. It's getting quiet in here, y'all can stay quiet. Amen. Born in Berkeley, California. Praise God. Sorry, Esther. Amen. My dad went to college there. Amen. Born in Berkeley, California. Wasn't allowed to cut my hair. And, and, and was vegetarian my whole life. And was just told. Animals good. Humans bad. My, my children have their own little fascinations with animals. But there's just a certain talk we're not going to have in the house. We're not going to blame the human race for everything. Somebody say, praise God. We got we to gotta watch what we let our children watch. We, this is, people, I'm telling you, you got to watch the attitudes, the ideas, the philosophies, the theologies, amen, that are being pumped into our children. You got to listen to your kids talk. Amen. You got to listen to your kids talk. 
You have to listen to what your children are saying. You have to, you know, and we talked about this last week. We have to, we have to, as Christians, we, we have to be careful with the ideas that we buy into. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you this as a pastor, and I, and I hope that, that this resonates with you as well as people. You have to watch your attitude towards humanity. Humanity is jacked up. Humanity is messed up. Nobody knows how bad it is more than Jesus. And Jesus said, I will die for humanity. I will die for humanity. I will hang on a tree for humanity. Amen. Jesus was murdered, amen, by humanity. Amen. But he was willing to accept that, amen. All for the sake of saving humanity, amen. I'm telling you right now, you, you, it, you, all of you one day, all of us are going to wake up and have our moments when we think to ourselves, man, this world is a horrible place. Well, guess what? I, a lot of us don't want to accept the challenge, but guess what? Could it be that God saved you? Could it be that you have been born for such a time as this? Could it be that you actually have a message and the means, amen, to help change the planet a little bit? Hallelujah. Could it be that you as a human being could actually do something about the condition of the world? Maybe I can't change the whole world, you know, but maybe I could change my neighbor. Maybe I can change my friends. Maybe, Sister Harris, I can change the person across the street. Amen. Everybody, you know, the devil loves to get us overwhelmed and feel, and just look at the whole world. What are you going to do? I'm not going to save the whole world, but I can do something with one person. I can do something with two people. I can do something with three or four people. Surely I'm not going to just sit here. Amen. The apostles, without fax machines, without copy machines, without flyers, without cell phones, without text message, without emails, turn this world upside down. Here we are in 2020, and we're still preaching out of the writings that they wrote. Here we are in 2020, and there's still people getting liberated from drugs and alcohol. Here we are in 2020, and, and Jesus started this whole thing with 12 people. Amen. With 12 people, perfect people, no. With fishermen that cussed, that screamed, that yelled. Amen. With the sons of thunder, men, men who were, had bad tempers. Amen. Philip means lover of horses. Man, there was even a cowboy involved in all of this. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and Jesus said, you know what? This is all I got. Brother Booker was telling me a story, and, and he said, you know, he had heard it, and of course it's, it's a made-up story, but it proves a good point. He, says, he said the story that when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he had heard a preacher tell this story, that Jesus ascended back up into heaven, and when the angels received him, they said, you're really going to leave this gospel, this message, this power in the hands of those men? And Jesus looked back at the angel, he said, I have no other plan. This is it. It's them or no one else. And I'm telling you right now, Esther, it's you or no one else. Jessica, it's you or no one else. Jamie, it's you or no one else. Jesse, it's you or no one else. Amen, Brother Sandoval, it's you or no one else. Nobody's going to have a burden for Isaiah like you got a burden for Isaiah. No one's going to pray for Mia like Leah, praise God. Amen, no one's going to have these kinds of burdens for our, for our, for the people within arm's reach. Nobody, nobody. Amen. Could it be that you are here for such a time as this? We can all fold our arms and say the world and the planet and everything is, is horrible. Or we could say, you know what, it's bad and that's why I'm here. Murder's bad. Murder's wrong. God hates murder. God hates murder when it's perpetuated by individuals. God hates murder when it's perpetuated by nations. And I'm going to tell you, 
I have my own deal about Christians in the military, but I, every Christian should be well informed about their right to not engage in an unjustified war. That's right. Not every war we go to might be justified. It's getting a small amen, but that's the truth. We shouldn't murder anybody for nobody. Amen. If, if it's a just war, and there are such just wars. I believe World War II was a just war. There were six million Jews being burned. Factory style. Somebody needed to stop that. Amen. Somebody say praise God. You know, people that are no guns and no violence and no this, and everyone feels that way, so there's somebody trying to rob them with a gun. Let me tell you, I'm glad the cops have guns and use them. And I've heard countless stories of police officers that even know when their own colleagues are, are crossing the lines, and they refuse to participate. And they become conscientious, conscientious objectors. Say, I'm not going to do that. I don't care if all the boys in blue are doing that. I'm not doing that. There's a difference between killing and murder. So that's, that's the big idea. And uh, as we near the end of tonight's lesson, we're going to focus in on a more refined idea. And that is hatred and murder of the heart. Matthew 5.21, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not kill or murder. And whosoever shall murder is in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whoever hates or is angry with his brother without cause is in danger of the judgment. Jesus here is equating the hating of someone in our heart with the sixth commandment to not murder. Moreover, he says that in the same way breaking the sixth commandment resulted in judgment, so will hating your brother without cause. And of course here, the judgment is far more severe because it's eternal. So, in Bible days, if you violated the sixth commandment and murdered somebody, you would be killed. <laughs> you would be brought before a judge, a tribunal. You would be tried legally, justly. And then you would be killed for murdering. And Jesus says, if you hate your brother without a cause, you are going to fall into judgment. How could this be? I've, I've thought this before. Like, how? Like, I know, like, we're not supposed to hate people, right? Like, I get it. But, man, that's, that's a big bridge that's being connected. Those are some strong lines. Those are some big dots that are being connected. The truth is that the only thing separating a murderer from a hater is initiative. The murderer acts on what he feels in his heart. The hater doesn't. But both have the same heart. It's just one guy is just willing to bypass the hurdle. 
But trust me, and we don't like to think about this. We don't like to think about this. We don't like to think about my bitter feelings, my hatred, my anger towards, towards XYZ is going gonna, is gonna to land me in a burning hell with a guy who was a murderer. But the way God looks at it, and he looks at the heart, he's saying, y'all are the same. This guy just wasn't afraid to carry out what he felt. But you weren't afraid to have the feeling. This is, this is intense, if you ask me. And it's so intense, Sister Mary, that I don't even want to dabble with hatred. I don't even want to dabble with bitterness. I don't even want to toy around with feelings of resentment. Sister Harris, I don't even want to start playing around with holding grudges. Lest I slip into this hating my brother. First John 2 and 9 says, He that saith he is in light and hateth his brother is in darkness, even until now. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth. Sometimes we don't know where we're going. So, sometimes we can't see where we're going because we don't want to look at who we hate. A lot of people don't want, I, uh, I, I knew a person, God bless them. God bless them. I've known several good saints of God throughout my life. Several. It, it really hasn't just been one, but several that have called people out on their hatred. I know good saints of God that have had to tell people, brother, sister, if you keep feeling that way towards that person, you're not going to go to heaven. You know, it's funny. Everybody wants to tell somebody they're not going to go to heaven for the dress code, that they're not going to go to heaven for, you know, not tithing, that they're not going to go to heaven for, uh, you know, being a hypocrite. But nobody wants to discuss this, like, how angry are you at them? Like, is it really, like, you feel good? about those feelings you have towards that person. You, you feel confident that that's just a little schism in your spirit. It's not a big deal. I don't feel that way. I, and you know what, as pastor, I'm not afraid to tell you this. The other day, uh, I just felt really, I felt, I felt a fog. You ever feel like, you know what, I'm praying, I'm doing what's right. I just don't, I can't see far. Like I don't, I wish I just had a better, I wish I had a better sense of where I was going. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you're kind of, you don't have a lot of insight into your life? You ever feel like, you know, man, what, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know, maybe this is just me. I don't think it is. There's times I know which, where I'm going. Like there's just days I know, like I am on track. I am on purpose. God's will will be done. The bills will be paid. We are moving forward. Amen. I know where I'm going to go out to eat on Sunday. Amen. Like there's, we will not be discussing this. I'm just that purpose driven. 
And then there's days you're not even sure what you're doing in five seconds. And I got into this mode where I didn't feel comfortable. Like I felt like I didn't have enough vision and, and foresight and insight. And I'm just going to tell you what I started doing. I just started praying for everyone that I even suspected I had a hard feeling towards. I'll tell you, I was right in this corner over here. And, I, and you know what? And you know how I knew I had a hard feeling towards them? When I started praying that God blessed them and I didn't want to quite say it. You know? God blessed them with pneumonia. You know that prayer. God, shake them until they apologize. Zap them. And you know what? I kept praying and kept praying until I could say with a clear conscience and a tear in my eye, God bless them. God bless their children. God bless their home. And you know what? I didn't feel bad praying because I was praying for Sometimes it's not like my feelings are unfounded. Sometimes I know that person really did do me wrong. That person really did slander me. That person really did hurt me. That person really did take advantage of me. And you know what? It's a good prayer to say, you know what? God, help them to repent of that. Because without repentance, we all perish. You are praying a blessing. You are praying a blessing. I'm not praying that God help me to run into them so we can go have lunch together. But I am praying that if that did happen, that if I did run into them, I could sit down and have lunch with them. I don't want to have hatred in my heart. I don't want to have hatred in my heart. I don't want to have hatred in my heart. I don't want to get disappointed. I, I, knew, I knew a man, and I'm closing. I knew a man, and I believe him. Very prayerful man. He said he had a vision one day and he was at heaven's gate. And he said he looked over in the distance and he could see all the people he went to church with, the saints of God, the elderly saints, that he remembers burying them and going to their funerals. He said he could see them all on the other side. And he said, he said, I heard my name called. Thank you.
one day, every single one of us is going to be standing at that gate. Everybody's getting resurrected. God hates death that much that he's even going to resurrect the dead that are going to get judged. Everybody's coming out of the grave. And guess what? Everyone's going to the hate detector, to the bitterness detector, to the murderous heart. And we close with this. The Apostle Paul says it this way, brethren. Some men's sins go before them. Some men's sins go after them. What does that mean? That means that we can repent about it right now. Right now. And send those sins now. And say, God, I'm sorry, now. We could, it could go before us now. Or we can wait till we get there. And they come after us. They come after us. Let us pray. I feel a good presence of the Lord here right now.